Hi, hello, welcome. This is the interview with Kirsty, an interior designer from Balcoota in South Australia. This clip was used to put together the full-length documentary Behind Closed Doors, The Life of an Architect. If you're thinking of entering the architecture or interior profession, you've got to see it. That link is going to be up above or in the description below to check that out. But without further ado, let's get on with the interview. I'm Kirsty McLeod. Primarily, I'm trained to be an interior designer. In our practice here, we try to blur the boundaries between interior design and and architecture because really they run hand in hand. I've been working as a designer now for about 20 years. My favourite thing to do is to work with the team on big collaborative projects and work across architectural components and right down to the detail and internally. Why interior or why architecture I guess then? Uh, what made you want to be an interior designer or architect? Well apples don't fall far from trees. <laughs> so I think there's a little bit in my family. My grandpa Jack Cheeseman was an architect. Um, and then my dad's an architect. One of my brothers, William, he started studying architecture. I actually married an architect in the end as well, which you, you'll find there's a lot of that going on in the industry. I was always really interested in art and being creative at school. It was a field that interests me in terms of being able to shape, I guess, shaping space and changing space, working with people. So it sort of crossed quite a few levels of interest, but I didn't learn all that until I was older. So I think that sometimes you enter into a profession just because you think it's going to be something. And through the course of time, there's an evolution of learning. And then you learn that it suits other sides of your personality as you mature that you didn't even consider when you were a kid. Yeah, because you're pretty young, aren't you, when you leave school and go straight to uni? Outside the office, when you're not working here, mm. do you have some hobbies that you like to do or what do you do in your free time, I guess? Well, being a mum with um, three kids, and I'm in love with being with my family, so family time, husband time, that's always good. I do triathlons, though, as well, which is probably something I really enjoy doing. So rather than going for coffee with friends to hang out, my favourite thing would be to run with my friends. Or I, if I'm not running, I'm swimming, and if I'm not swimming, I'm riding. So, <laughs> so every day I do something physical, and yoga is my church or my religion. So to slow down and chill out, that's what I do. Before becoming a, a mother, we travelled a fair bit, and I'd lived and worked as an interior designer actually in Scotland and in Canada and in the States. So fair bit of international experience in life, not necessarily profession. Scotland was one of my first interior design roles in the profession. That was really interesting. Very interesting time because <laughs> I was really young. Yeah. How old were you when you were in Scotland? Uh, probably 21, 22. Like straight Yeah. Well, no, because I finished school when I was 17. So I think everyone's a little bit older now and then ended up in the States and then um, across to England and, and, and ski seasons as well, you know, mucking around. So actually after studying interior design, I came back to Australia and thought, it's not what I want to do. And then Dad said, well, just while you're making your mind up, why don't you come and work for a bit? And so I went and worked with my father's practice for a while and realised it was pretty cool and then went to Melbourne and then things just took off from there. And I think that's the evolution I was talking about before, that probably one of the most interesting things about what we do as designers is we get an insider's view of other people's lives, which has always been something I'm curious about. And talking to people is and listening to people is um, a really critical part of understanding what you need to do to create a space that responds to um, their needs and their briefs. On a scale of 1 to 10, how well did you think your education prepared you for what you're doing today in the office? Eight. Eight. Why is that? 
It's not just education, though. I think it's upbringing. And it's about the people that I was exposed through to throughout my life. Well, I didn't want to be an interior designer. Yeah, that's, that's always... Yeah. yeah, after I studied and then I left. But I think it's... I, I actually think that if you go to tertiary education at a as a mature age student, I think once you've lived a bit more life... I think it's the preparation will probably be a lot more meaningful. That was for me anyway. But as we get older, we get better at doing what we do. And maybe you do need to go through life plus doing your time as a young'un in a practice, whatever it might be, in order to really hone your skills and get good at it. That, um, not That's not maybe. You do. You actually do need to do that. Because I went straight from school and I was so young, it was fun. It was just good fun. The fundamental preparation really was the first four years of working your level of knowledge just goes from like flat line just <laughs> the, the steepest learning curve in the world yeah and often I think that people in our profession after those first four years start to question whether or not they want to do what they're doing as well because it's pretty tough and a lot of that time is in the office documenting I mean you don't get a lot of exposure to clients as a young graduate unless you're an introverted you know, you might be quite happy doing that for an extrovert or, or a social person. Um, it's painful to watch people coming and going from the office and you're stuck at a desk documenting. Maybe it will be a bit different now because I think the way of working is more collaborative, but it depends on the practice you're working in. And certainly here at Balcota, it the collaboration is key to how we work. Yeah. Do you think that some of the differences between studying in the university compared to what you're doing today Everything. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. One similarity might be pressure points. Um, in our profession, the deadlines, there's always a deadline and there's peaks of um, pressure where you, you're just pushing it to get information and documentation out to clients um, by certain deadlines, responding to submissions and um, there's always something to push you. And then when there's not, it's just like you can sit back and breathe for a minute before the next thing comes along. So pressure might be a similarity. Sociability, you know, it's the camaraderie that we have in our particular office is familiar to um, and similar to being at, at uni. But other than that, you know, really, the graduates are so green, so green. And the learning that happens through the practice is pivotal. It always surprised me, actually. I did a bit of tutoring at the university and I'd um, think, oh, you know, I'm, I'm just me. What can I teach them? And then I remember going in for the first time and seeing the students and realising how young they were and that they really didn't know anything. And I did have stuff that I could share and knowledge. And the difference is, I think, it's just the application of the knowledge that we learn and, ha- and t- to a how we apply it and I think maybe they teach differently now but I don't think I, I just think that there was it was vastly different like we learned the basics but didn't I really don't think I learned until I landed in a practice yeah, yeah. if you could sum up your experiences of interior design school how would you go about doing that it was just fun no pressure really well there was pressure really like you you just cruise through the term until there was a submission due and then cram for the submission get that in and then go <laughs> and then hopefully there would be a holiday so it was just sort of a period of ah, stop ah, stop <laughs> yeah so not one word so fun fun slash stress yeah do you have any kind of morning rituals or routines you do I guess when you first wake up or when you first get into the 
office. So for me, every day has to start with um, being outside. So whether that's on a trail in Pioneer, at the beach for a swim, in the pool for a swim, something physical so that I'm mentally prepared to be more or less inside all day. Getting the kids off to school and feeling calm about that or coming straight in early. I always like to look at my diary and know what meetings I've got on for the day, write a list of um, tasks that I hope to accomplish. I'm quite task orientated. So just planning the day um, ahead and then get stuck into it. If I've got things I need to think a lot about, I'll organise those tasks for the morning. And if I've got more sociable, collaborative um, tasks, then I'll organise them for the afternoon because that suits me better because I'm notoriously tired by the end of the day because my days start often at five o'clock because I've got a swimmer in the family. So, yeah, so I'm in bed early and up early. But so consequently, my afternoons, I I have to stay active in the office as much as possible. Mm. <laughs> so you wake up at five in the morning every morning. At least four mornings a week, yeah. yeah. Four fifty-five, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. During the day, what do you want? I guess yeah, what do you in the office? My sweet spot is um, big picture thinking and drawing. So freehand drawing, um, planning spaces, mapping out spaces or or how a business might fit within a tenancy fit out. I quite enjoy those sorts of things. I like to work fast and I like it to be loose and free and I can lose time in those modes of work. Often we are writing documents. I've just finished writing with the team a document for VCAT. Um, and that involved um, lots of interviews, lots of listening, interpreting the information that we've heard from the client and then putting it into a report for them. It was called a functional design brief so that they were able to then understand what sort of building they were going to need to rehouse themselves in. That brief will form part of the information pack that goes out to whoever puts a hand up to um, tender for that job. I mean, my day will flex from... Um, drawing to writing to talking to uh, researching um, ideas for a new project gathering information gathering images that respond to thoughts I have because it's really hard to articulate to other people what's going on in your head so one of the tools we use is uh, images that capture the essence of the idea and then we can use that to share that with clients or colleagues so everyone's on the same page in terms of the big picture. Every day there's there's a lot of different stuff. I keep saying this to my children in particular, the importance of the English language that we need to be able to write and we need to be able to read and edit. I'm worried that the emphasis is not on it, on English as much as it used to be when I was a kid. Yeah, because that's critical. Communications, everything. What are you doing most developing art or an art situation? Well, my favourite part is um, ideation, the beginnings of projects, getting to know the client. I love the relationship that's established um, with our clients and following that relationship through the front end of any new project. I tend to lose a little bit of interest when it becomes, um, gets down into the detail and the nitty gritty and but I know that's part of the project process and we all need to 
embrace that but my sweet spot really is the beginnings of projects where we initiate workshops so we often we'll run workshops with clients ask lots of questions take lots of notes um, make them as interactive and collaborative as possible and fun create an environment that people feel comfortable in sharing their thoughts and, and ideas insights into what their needs should be and then again it's a little bit similar to that document I talked about previously where we have to curate that information into a format that means something to us but also means something to them and enables us to take the next step to start to think about what a space might be to match the needs. I guess then on that other side is what do you enjoy least about the work you do? No, I sort of said it, didn't I? Yeah. 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 I don't think you want to add to that. So I love design and I think I should have said that in the previous question and I love the big idea of design but I'd like to hand that over to somebody else to bring that to life so to do the documentation and then come back to me and talk to me again but there are people who love that part but I'd rather be moving on to the next project and thinking about the next idea and talking to the next person and holding the next workshop and sketching so I really really like drawing I'm mashing them up a little bit but I love the feeling of accomplishment that you can create between you and the client when everyone's gone yeah that's it that's that's the direction we need to go this is going to be fantastic it's suits our needs perfectly and everyone just gets excited and that's a pretty cool feeling so yeah yeah so 10 being what you're doing that's you know kind of the dream job yeah doing it and one being of living hell i guess Mm. how would you put it on a scale of one to ten uh, right now, yeah. oh, it's yeah. pretty damn good. Yeah, good. <laughs> uh, I'm really, really happy here, so I'd say ten at the moment, or, or say nine, because I'd like to see, I'd like some growth personally, um, and I can see the opportunity for growth here. That would probably move it up to ten, but I'm really happy. Yeah. What are some of the biggest challenges you face doing the work you do? For me, the biggest, one of my big, biggest challenges has always been time. So I'm always trying to pack in a lot in every day and with my family I also want to give them a lot of me as well you know working full time and wanting to be home at the end of the day not too late to be with my family is critical which is why working here at Balcourt is so good because there's so much trust between all of us that everyone knows that it's you might not be here for eight hours a day but they know we all know that you're putting in what you need to put in in order to get the job done. So that's one of my challenges. And the other one is finding time to continue to grow and learn and not stagnate. So I think that's really important. So always looking for opportunities to get better at what I do, learn more, speak to more people. Um, And one of the best things that happened last year was I was able to um, become a board member for the Committee for Adelaide and... I feel inadequate on the board because I'm sitting alongside some pretty talented, intelligent people, but I've been included because I bring a different perspective to the talent around the table. So that's been a really great learning curve for me and continues to be, so yeah. If you go back to 20 odd years when you first started, would you have any advice to your younger self or would you do anything differently? No, that's that's interesting. Because, I mean, I, I did say before, I think that designers are better maybe coming to their profession later. Um, and I think it's really important to travel the world and see, or not the world, but see other countries and the way other people live and appreciate that. 
and then bring that inspiration and knowledge to your profession and I think that that did work for me but I some people do it the other way around but I really wanted to get my education sorted so that when I travelled I could work so in a, in a way I wouldn't change that for me because I did get that opportunity to work in Scotland and I did look at the worlds that I saw the countries I lived in through the lens of a designer even though I was so green and young um, and it did make me question whether I wanted to be an interior designer or be I, um, I wanted to take people on outback adventures or any sort of adventure anywhere not outback Australia but just you know outdoor education I was thinking maybe of teaching so I could be outside every day so it made me think hard about what I wanted to do so I think that was right for me so if someone asks me about what's the most important thing about what you do I think you need to be passionate about it and unfortunately I don't know if that passion comes immediately and maybe that passion has to be built over a period of time of learning I don't think architecture or interior design is different to other professions where the facets of learning are are multiple and and we have to go through our paces and then maybe hopefully you do get passionate. I can say I'm passionate about my job and I really enjoy what I do and the people I work with and um, I feel really lucky for that or fortunate. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's good. That's it. How bloody cool was that? If you haven't checked out the full-length film Behind Closed Doors, The Life of an Architect, you've got to set some time aside for that because it's pretty incredible what some of these guys have to share with you, some information and resources that will be really helpful if you're thinking about studying architecture or you just want to get an insight into the profession. So if you want to check that out, you can click that button to the side here or if you just want to go on with the next interview, check check out that button to the side there. Catch you there.